You're listening to the West Side Podcast, a part of the LA International Church of Christ family of churches, worshiping God in LA since 1989. Amen, church. Great to see everybody. Welcome to the West Side. Welcome to almost Christmas. Welcome to almost Christmas. Ah, it's a little better. Um, if you're visiting with us today, can we see you? Can you sort of hands in the air? We have some people. We got uh, the Hammonds here, James and Wendy Hammond. Great to have you guys. James and Wendy are special. They did uh, some ministry here with us. Wait a minute, James. Ninety-six, seven, eight, four, four. That's yeah, you know. James is a coach extraordinaire. So he was like. Uh, basketball, football, um, teen soccer, whatever we were doing, James is uh, your guy. So if you got a team that needs coaching, you want James. Um, he's going to coach you up. We uh, have some people here in the front. Hello. I want to say hello to you guys. Very good. Great to have you. Did I see anybody else visiting from, uh, from uh, anywhere else? Okay, good. Yeah, great to have you guys with us too. Yeah, thank you, John, for singing this morning. Thank you, John, for singing this morning. That was a favor for me because that song has really meant a lot to me the last six months. Um, you never know how God's going to speak to you. Isn't that right? And my little daughter, Kiki, she gave that one to me. Dad, this is a good song for you. And, you know, kids are always doing stuff like that. And you're like, uh-huh, thanks. And then you listen to it and you're like, yeah, that is really good. Okay. And again, and again, and again, and again. And I hope that can become maybe a song that is a little bit of a signature thing for us. we got some other people in our church that can really sing that I think um, that would be a beautiful song for. But what I love about that is there's always times in our life during the year when we feel as if our backs are against the wall. When it looks as if it's over. But God, what does He do? He moves mountains. Amen? He performs miracles. There is nothing that's impossible with Him. And that's why we're here today, at the end of the year, to celebrate that He does the impossible in our lives. So, members, thank you for your loyal, faithful service for your hearts this year, for being with us all year. We're very grateful for you and your sacrifice and your commitment. And if you're visiting with us, we're really excited for you to find out what we're so excited about. Life is challenging. It is hard. Amen? We need something for us when it feels as if our backs are against the wall. We need to know there is someone that can do the impossible. And of course, this is what Gabriel tells Mary when she's uh, found out to um, be with Jesus. Let's bow our heads and pray to open our service this morning. Father, thanks so much for Jesus. We've already seen so many manger scenes. We've already heard many Christmas songs. We've seen many trees and lights. Many of us are already stressed and overwhelmed with shopping. Some of us are stressed and overwhelmed with family. 
And Father, we know that the season is a great time to celebrate. It is also a time that can exhaust us. And Father, we want to come before you to worship this morning. I want us to remember what's happening here today. And to give us a moment to really reflect and think back again on who is that in the little manger to direct our thoughts and our time and our energy. Thank you so much for always making a way for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, turn over in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 2. It was great to have Steve last week. I was thinking about that in working on the sermon. He, he referenced Matthew's version of Christmas and Luke's version. And if you're the speaker the next week, you go, well, there's not a whole lot left. But I've never done a Christmas out of Hebrews 2. And I kept coming back to this passage. I felt like the Spirit was sort of nudging me here. And I hope uh, you will enjoy our thoughts here today in Hebrews chapter 2. I'll start in verse... Um, I'm going to start in verse 10. In bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered. Both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. And come down, if you're reading with me, down to verse 14. Since the children have flesh and blood, that's us, amen, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death, so that is by his death, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely it's not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. For this reason, he had to be made like them, fully human in every way in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, so that he might make atonement, what a great word for us this morning, for the sins of the people. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he's able to help those who are being tempted. Who's being tempted this morning? Yeah, that's all. Yeah. Who's been tempted this week? Yeah, yeah, all right. Uh-huh. Who's felt weak this week? Yeah, all right. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, um, who's felt like this year... They had some serious health issues, and maybe it was back against the wall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's a scary place to be. Who's felt like financially, whoa, I don't know. Is this going to be the year I lose it? My back's against the wall. Anybody feel that? Yeah, anybody feel that? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. We have some marrieds. We have some marrieds that at times, at times, married people can fight. They can get cross with each other. That's normal. Amen? But t- sometimes you go, oh... Backs against the wall, I don't know. And sometimes we feel that way about our families. Wow, we need a miracle. I don't know what to do. Some of us in our career, some of us are in careers, we're like, back against the wall, feels impossible, don't know what to do. It's a scary place to be. You feel lonely. 
feel overwhelmed. You feel scared. Any of you that have battled an addiction, and we all have addictive ways of thinking. Yeah, that's, that's times where you go, wow, back's against the wall. I need a miracle. I don't know what to do next. I don't have an answer. I'm overwhelmed. All those thoughts that make you feel stuck, that make you feel overwhelmed, they're scary. That's when death, I think that's when death starts working in us. You come to Christmas and you start, okay, so I need help. So Jesus is going to help me? Who's Jesus? Jesus Superman? I think that's how a lot of us think of him, sort of as Superman. Is he um, got a bigger gun than anybody else? <laughs> sort of looks like that. Or is he like cool guy Jesus? Everything's I just got everything's okay. Just, just love you, kind of hippie Jesus, kind of hippie Jesus. It's hard to take that Jesus serious though. Like, I don't know. I got problems. I don't know about him. So again, the song is so important. Remember the lyrics. Standing here not knowing how we'll get through this test. Everybody's got a test this morning. You got this. Figure it out. And you're watching us. But when it looks as if we can't win, you wrap your arms and step in. You got this in control. And now we know you made a way. And now we know you made a way. When our backs were against the wall, and it looked as if it were over, you made a way. And we're standing here only because you made a way. God made a way. Jesus is the way. And this passage in Hebrews 2 really helps us understand what it is that he's doing. I just read this Hebrews 2. Atonement, so important. And what's he do? He gives us courage. I broke a mug this morning with a hammer. I was going to do it here on stage. But I was worried about operator error. <laughs> There's something powerful when you break a mug. I love my wife. Right now, Tiny's going, oh my God, no. But we all have plans. And we all have dreams. And we all have things that we want. And this is the devil. And he's constantly hitting your dreams. Hitting your relationships. He never stops hitting your emotions. He never stops hitting your thoughts. He wants to hit your finances. He wants to hit your marriage. He wants to hit your family. He wants to hit your home. Many of us have been in car crashes this year. He wants to hit your car. <laughs> that's not the devil. That's just operator error. And so while we dream for this and think about bright, shiny dreams and bright, shiny relationships and bright, shiny 
whatevers. Here we are at the end of the year, and the devil just hammers us. And he hammers us. And he hammers us. And lots of times the Christian, he runs out of gas. She runs out of gas. Gosh, I just, I keep praying. I haven't missed any prayers. I haven't missed any quiet times. I keep reading the Bible. I haven't missed contribution. And I'm here. And the first few times we do that as young Christians, we go, oh, I don't want to be a baby, you know. But it happens a lot because it's life. And he never stops. He never stops. And even as we're here now, you're planning great things for Christmas. But he's waiting. (laughs) See what he does? Always right there. What dreams did you lose this year? What's happened that's made you feel broken? What's happened that's made you feel bruised? In what ways do you feel a little beat up? Bruised? Broken? Beaten up? Boy, that's what he does. That's what he does. Bruised? Broken? Beaten up? And so then we're stuck with getting through what we have to get through. We want to survive. What Jesus is doing in the major in the major is so important because I think first and foremost what he does is he gives us courage. Now think about this. Really read this to yourself. My current situation is not my final destination. My current situation is not my final destination. Yeah, yeah, we get it. It's hard. We feel alone. We feel beat up. But my current situation is not my final destination. That's so important to remember about that passage, verse 14, is he defeats the devil, the one who holds the power of fear in his hands. The devil. And you need to be freed of that. And there's no amount of money that will free you from the power of fear of death. And there's no career, and there's no person, there's no relationship that will cure you of that. Well, it's only Jesus that will cure you of that. But it's hard not to feel overwhelmed, afraid, accused. Many of us feel overly accused. We can't get out of that loop of feeling a failure or not feeling good enough. He overcomes it all. Was Jesus back against the wall? Yeah, sure was. But when you think about Jesus, think about the courage. Think about the courage, the vulnerability. When you think about your life and you're trying to put your life back together, you're trying to tackle hard issues, trying to tackle things that you don't have an answer for right now. Take courage. Jesus is your courage. He makes a way. He always makes a way. He's got an answer for that hammer. What else does he do? Jesus comforts. He gives us courage, but he also comforts. And I love that passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3. Remember this? He says, uh, thank God, the God of all comfort, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our time of need so that we might comfort others when they need comfort. And that word comfort, again, is a... um, 
you know, a man guy, I think that's what I am, a man guy, comfort, wow, that sounds like, you know, hot chocolate and sweaters, and that's just not really, I want to be tough, I want to be tough. But that word comfort's a good word, C-O-M, the prefix is to come alongside, just means to come alongside. And fort, and fort is the word for strength. So Jesus comforts us, that means strength that comes alongside of you. Who feels like they need some strength to come alongside of you? Yeah, that's right, me too. That's what's in the manger. What's in the manger is strength that comes alongside of you. What a gift, what a great thing to have. Because I got, I, I don't know, I want to throw up a three-pointer. I want to throw up a Hail Mary. I want to try a big upshift my life. But that's scary. I need some strength that comes alongside of me. That's Jesus, amen, church? Yeah, that's Jesus. What does it say again in this passage about what he becomes? Jesus becomes a merciful and faithful high priest, the one that goes between us. Amen? When you see the baby in the manger, when you see the nativity scene, what's he becoming? He's becoming merciful. He learns that. He grows in that, right? What's in the manger? Just a baby. Mercy is something you learn. And Jesus learned how to become merciful. I think faithfulness is something you learn. He learned how to become faithful. All of us feel at times that we need more faith. I don't have enough faith. I've got to find more faith. Jesus learned that. Mercy and faithfulness are learned. Church, I want you to think about that. What do you need to learn? More mercy? That's a learned thing. What else is there to learn? Faithfulness? That's learned. You need to learn how to become more faithful. Faith gets stretched. It's a tree that grows. We all need more of that. Jesus learns it. And I love this. It says he's not ashamed to call us brothers and sisters. I mentioned that earlier. Many of us feel so accused by our failures. Many of us feel accused by our sins. Many of us feel accused by this sense of simply not being good enough. But Jesus looks at you, and he knows you right now. He knows you right now. He feels no shame to call you brother. He feels no shame to call you sister. He loves to call you brother. Brings him joy. Even with all your thoughts, even with all your sins, even with all your problems. He loves calling you brother. Even with all your fears, even with all your debt, even with all your troubles, he loves to call you sister. There's no shame in it. But I think that's learned too. I'm an older brother. And as an older brother, my little sister used to tag along, and it was always so irritating, like, go away, I'm trying to have friends. Why, why are you here? You're really affecting my cool factor. I can't babysit you right now. I'm with the guys. No, you can't have my quesadilla. Make your own. I had that talk a lot. And, you know, we sort of drifted because I just thought of her as uh, really irritating. 
But in high school, somebody came up to me and she said, you know, so-and-so was at a party, saw your sister, and he hurt your sister. I'll never forget that. I will never forget that. I felt so ashamed, like, why am I ashamed of her? That's my sister. She needs me to protect her. She needs me to love her. And I thought two things. One is murder, right? You think about murder. That's an easy thought, actually. That's not a hard thought. But then I just felt this overwhelming sense of, of pride that she's my sister. She's not perfect, and she's got her things. I don't even care about that. I just love her. And that's Jesus. He loves that you're his brother. He loves that you're his sister. He doesn't care about whatever's broken in your life. He's proud of you to be that you're in the family, that's your brother, that your sister. And again, the song, with your power, you do miracles. We need we do need some miracles. But that's where he comes in. Not when it's expected. It really is a miracle that so many of us are here at the end of the year. Quick challenge for you. If you want to know his way, you have to give up your way. Many of us want to be saved and many of us want a miracle, but we don't want to give up our way. Many of us want good things, but we stubbornly hold on to continued pervasive types of thinking and types of behavior. If you want to know his way, you have to give up your way. Think right now about a thing that has been really hard for you to give up. Write it down. I keep doing this over and over again. You've got to stop. Write this down. Talk to somebody about this afterward. What's the thing you need to give up so you can know his way? The thing I need to give up. If I want to know his way, you have to give up your way. What do I got to give up so I can really know his way? We have a fancy name for this in the church. It's called repentance. It's a good word. kind of freaks some of us out. That sounds heavy. That sounds judgy. No, that's life right there, amen? Right before he gets into this in um, verse 14, let me remind you of this, Hebrews 2, verse 10. It was fitting to God, of whom and through whom everything exists, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered. See, suffering is really important for the Christian person. Oh, it's important for everybody. You don't get through life without some suffering. But you have to decide what to do with your suffering. Many of us suffer, and it's painful, and so we just sort of curl up and huddle. That's not a good place to be, but that's, I get it. That's where it makes you want to, I call that turtling. Suffering makes you want to turtle. And the word here, perfect, again, is that word teleos that doesn't mean without, without problems. Teleos is the word that you would use for a fully grown tree. It's a fully grown tree. It's teleos. That's what's perfect. Nobody's reached teleos. Nobody's reached that kind of perfection here today. How does Jesus become teleos? How does Jesus grow into the tree? How does he become the guy? How does he become the pioneer, the captain? He only does that through suffering. And it's his suffering that brings him back to meaning, that brings him back to purpose, that brings him back 
to God, that brings him back to his faith, that brings him back to what it is that he's trying to do and become, to become merciful and to become faithful. It's only the suffering. The suffering's the gym. The suffering is the grinding. The suffering is the chiseling. I'm sure many of you heard that before. Michelangelo looked at this big block of um, marble. And when he did um, the sculpture of David, one of the world's great art pieces, he said a number of times, I just felt like I could see David in the stone, and it just, it was almost that the marble was falling away, but I had to hammer and hammer and hammer and hammer to release David from the stone. In the same way, that's a lot what suffering's like in your life. Hammer, hammer. It doesn't feel good. It hurts. It's loud. It's noisy. It's bothersome. But this teleos of you is coming out. This more mature, this more faithful, this more merciful Christian woman, Christian man is coming out. Out of the stone. Right now, many of us, we're half formed. We're partially formed. We're not fully formed. It's suffering. And it's how we deal with suffering that shapes, that reveals, that brings out what God is trying to do with you the unfinished stone. And so lastly, when you see the manger, I want you to think about this. Jesus gives us courage. Jesus gives us comfort. And Jesus is our captain, amen? That word pioneer, uh, yeah, you could use the word captain. The same word comes up in Hebrews 12, and they use the word author. Author, he's the writer of all the stories. He's the author and perfecter of our faith. He's the writer of your story. He's our captain. He's the one that goes before us. His suffering perfected him. There's nothing impossible. That's what Gabriel tells uh, Mary. There's nothing impossible. We're standing here because Jesus made a way for us through suffering. Jesus made a way through uh, for us through life. Jesus made a way for us through um, our finals. Amen. I'm sure I can get a. I'm sure I can get an amen there. Students, Jesus made a way for us through our finals. Amen. Maybe we're not done. Some of us, we're not done. We're not done. He's going to make a way for you through your finals. You know, it's great to see Mark and Gwendolyn. Gwendolyn came to our uh, Tuesday night class, Falling Upwards, the Falling Upwards class. And one of the things Gwendolyn uh, talked about in the Falling Upward class was it just was hard to deal with being lonely, an older single woman. But that was painful. That was painful. And, you know, you're teaching the class. You're like, I don't really know. I don't really know what to share with her. I don't really know what to say. Sorry. She was really faithful and great and smiles. And and then maybe six months later, Mark came to church. We're like, wow, there's Mark. And Mark looks like the Superman Jesus. He's right there. And it didn't take them very long. It didn't take them very long. And we went from here to something that looks more like this. That's a great story. That was a great story. That was a great story. But there's times you want to give up when your backs are against the wall and you feel like it's over. What does he do? He moves mountains. That's what he does. He moves mountains. And so let's remember every time you see the tree scene this Christmas, what should it be? When you see a light... Remember your courage. That's from Jesus. 
every gift you see, every present you see, remember that's your comfort. Jesus is reaching out, trying to comfort you. That's part of making a way. He comforts us. And every maybe star, every sort of thing that's at the top of the tree. And he's our captain. He's the one that shows us the way. And so we leave the manger. We leave the manger. And what does Jesus do? Jesus walks on water. Amen, church? We leave the manger. What does Jesus do? Jesus feeds 5,000 and 4,000. Amen, church? And he leaves the manger. And what does Jesus do? He touches lepers. We're all going to touch some lepers this year. And what does Jesus do? He walks and he teaches and he's faithful. And so he shows us the way and he gives hope for our life that it doesn't have to end up here. It never, this is never the end of the story. That he's always trying to atone and recreate and make this thing out of your life that we can be proud of and derive hope from. At this time, we're going to have Susan come on up and share with us her story for communion. Thank you. Good morning. I am a single mom with two daughters. I work for a commercial real estate developer, basically managing operations. I'm also his personal assistant. I've been a member of the Westside Church for six years, and before coming here, I was part of the South Bay Church and also uh, Lifeway. I've been a Christian for 24 years, the last 20 of those um, as a single. Sometimes it's hard for me to connect with Jesus because my superpower, unfortunately, is numbness. Um, I can numb out very quickly to a lot of situations. Um, So that's not a good thing. So for me, communion is connecting with Jesus. I'd like to read Philippians uh, chapter 3, verses 10 and 11. It's helped me with my connection to Jesus. And Paul says, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Jesus' resurrection gives me power to live for him, and the cross is crucifixion. You know, that's the death of my sinful nature daily. I need to experience to remember both of those things. But the scripture says becoming like him in his death. So, yes, I need to die to my sins and obey Jesus, but it got me to thinking, what was Jesus like in his death? Um, in a literal sense, leading up to and as he hung on the cross dying, what was he What was he like? And you think about it, forgiving, right? He was forgiving, even-tempered, uh, resolute, determined, loving, compassionate, obedient, so many things that he was. I would like to be those things. So a little of my background I was born into an already uh, very dysfunctional family. I was a sad child who became a sad and angry teenager. Uh, I made terrible decisions, numbed out with drugs, and was involved with uh, emotionally and physically abusive relationships. Fortunately, in my early 20s, I was able to completely stop drug use, uh, and I got out of the physically abusive relationship that I was in. I was on my second marriage, and when our first daughter, Brittany, 
was a toddler, my husband's sister, who was a disciple of Jesus, invited me to church. Uh, I studied the Bible for 10 days and submitted to Jesus' lordship of my life and was baptized. Yeah, 10 days. My sin was blatant. I knew my, (laughs) no problem, I knew I needed Jesus. Um, So that's where I want to start talking about uh, the impact of Jesus in my life. My husband was baptized three months after I was. I was ready for my happily ever after. The Jesus I met when I studied the Bible promised a full life, a new way of thinking about myself and others, right? I'd be a kinder, gentler person, uh, definitely a wiser person, decisions better, marriage would be amazing, kids amazing, We'd work through whatever issues we had, and everything would be great. Well, I was tested fairly quickly after that. I was pregnant with our second daughter, Janae, when infidelity was discovered. So I separated, hoping to resolve and and reconcile. Didn't happen. So I did divorce. Whoa. So much for happily ever after. Now what? Well, my friendship with Jesus became more intimate. He knows, right, what it feels like to be betrayed by someone you loved and trusted. To feel alone and afraid, even when you're surrounded by people who love you and can help and want to help. I wanted to run away and not have to deal with the pain because it felt just too much to bear. But because of looking at Jesus' life, I was able to engage in the battle head on, and I learned to forgive. Learning, that is a process. You definitely need help. um, But I learned to forgive when no forgiveness was asked for. It didn't give a get-out-of-jail-free card. Um, There were consequences, but it freed my heart from bitterness and uh, resentment. And my daughters now had a stepmother and then two more siblings after that. I strive to see them not with my eyes, that wouldn't have been a good thing, but with God's eyes, how he saw them. And that allowed me to pray for them and the situations with a fresh perspective. It's really hard to stay angry or even hurt with somebody that you're praying for. And, you know, I had to realize who was my enemy. Know your enemy. It wasn't them. It really wasn't. Satan. It's always Satan. Their stepmom and I became very good friends over the years, and we still are. And she became my sister in Christ 10 years ago. That's a whole other story. We don't don't have time to do that. (laughs) But Jesus' life, his example of how he interacted with people, that taught me so much during that time. So now, you know, that... That happened a long time ago, but it's, you know, as you can imagine, it's kind of an ongoing process. Um, But now, okay, don't get me wrong. I have so many good and great things in my life and been blessed in many ways. But along with that, I'm grieving a life I thought I'd have, raising my two daughters with a husband. Single parents, you get it. You understand it's a lot physically, emotionally, and spiritually to raise kids by yourself. You don't get to bounce ideas off, corroborate things. Every decision, good and bad, is mine to make, and the consequence is mine to bear. At the end of the day, I want to debrief, laugh, cry, something in between. Basically, I want to share all the craziness and fullness, good and bad, you know, of the day with someone. 
You don't have to be a parent to want to feel that. I'm currently dealing with some depression, sometimes loneliness, even in a room filled with friends. And yet, you know, God does set the lonely in families. I fully believe that. But sometimes I can still be lonely in that family. So what do I do with all that? You know, unfulfilled expectations, depression, grief, loneliness. Um, But again, I think of who Jesus was on the cross. Betrayed, abandoned, disregarded, dismissed, lonely, judged, bullied, made fun of, falsely accused, labeled, misunderstood, felt out of place, sinned against. He gets it. And the stuff that's my sin, he has the solution. Because I for sure don't have all of this down. You know, I can be very selfish, cynical, sarcastic, all of the above. The list can can go on. But I believe Jesus' life, it wasn't taken. He gave it. He gave it freely for me. That changes me if I let it. It changes the way I think. To me, Jesus, on the way to the cross and then hanging on the cross, is connection. Connection to his suffering. Jesus gets me. He understands how I feel. And that, that's how we get close with people, right? You go through something with them, and um, it helps you feel connected. And it's the same with Jesus. Go through it with him. See the things that he went. Go through the things he went as well. It's, it's bonding. And connection to the power of his resurrection It ain't over. I can be reborn to a different life. I can change the way I think. I can change the way I respond to things. I'm not in control of everything that happens to me in this life. But with the gift of the power that God gives to me, I can control how I respond. But my connection to Jesus is what makes it possible. Thanks for listening. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, we're so grateful for this time to take communion, to be with you, to remember you. It is Christmas, and so we think about the nativity. We think about the manger. God, I think about Jesus leaving everything, leaving heaven to become fully human, to experience pain and hunger and loneliness and to feel cold and to feel insulted. We're so grateful that he understands that nothing shocks him, that he knows. Thank you so much for this gift. God, I'm so grateful for Susan, knowing her over the years. What a great example. We're so thankful for her life. She means so much to so many of us. As we take the bread and the cup, let us be inspired. Remember that the bread, that represents his body, his life, the way he lived. God, let us remember when we take the cup, we have forgiveness. What an incredible gift. Thank you. In Jesus' name. You've just listened to the West Side Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit thewestsidechurch.com or laicc.net.